Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning to those who are listening online. Um, you are welcome. Um, we just want to open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We'll be looking at chapter 5. A couple of um, choice verses which I believe that God wants us to go through today. Um, and again, uh, bear with me because um, they are not all in one paragraph. Um, and then I will try to to go through and hopefully it will be meaningful to you. Um, the title of my message today is Moving Forward with God. And you can apply that in Moving Forward with God in 2014. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, King of Kings and King of Glory, Almighty God, we give you praise and thanks. Lord, I commit this time into your hands once more. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you will touch your children, that you will open their hearts to receive from you this morning. Father, help us to understand what you are telling us and also to apply it with the heart of obedience. We give you praise and thanks this time, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Ephesians 5. I'll be reading um, a few verses, so please um, follow with me, bear with me. Let's look at verse 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Verse 2a, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given his life for us. Verse 8b, he says, walk as children of light. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 15 to 17 reads, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So last week, the message was from Pastor Phil, and it was a very key message. It was titled, The Goal of the Year. And why he took this message, I think if you were not around, you probably have missed, and I will encourage you to go on the website to listen to that message, because it was full of what I call godly revelation. And it was based on Philippians 3, 12 to 21. I'm not going to read that again. But what I want today to do is to extract a couple of things, probably more than a couple of things, that Pastor Phil mentioned, and then extract on the method. Because one of the things that he did mention is we normally will start a new year with a renewed hope. We have a hope that things will be different in the new year than they were in the previous year. It's new human nature. We can't discard it. But what he did mention is Despite the resolutions, despite the projects that we want to achieve for ourselves and sometimes even for God, the key point is to remember that there is a God-given goal. That's his message. There is a God-given goal. And that this goal is all 
manifested through the race that we are running. He mentioned the race of life is a race that we need to run all as potential winners, so not as people who are defeated in that race. And what he said also was we shouldn't look at how worthy we are in terms of runners, because to tell you the truth, I don't know if I can run five meters, not to talk about 100 meters. There are other people who can run 10,000 as a marathon, but all those who are even fit to run these 10,000 miles as marathons have different approach. And for understanding the reason why approach and methodology are important, even in the eyes of God, when he gives us a task, then go and ask for all the, the 10,000 um, uh, runners, 10,000 meters runners, who have started the race very, very quickly, and after 2,000 meters are completely out of steam because they didn't have the right, right approach. The method is very important. But what he did say finally is that God is our master builder. God is our greatest supporter, and he cheers us on even when we fall on the track. Well, the tendency when you fall on the track is to be booed by people. You are booed off because you fall. But God supports us, and I will add to that that God enables us to carry on. So the title today is Moving Forward with God. Assuming that last year we have fallen, assuming that last year we were unworthy children of God, assuming that last year there are so many things that we did fail to do or fail to achieve, then this year is meant to be a better year, isn't it? Assuming last year we were not consistent in our devotional life, in our prayer to God, in our giving of our tithe and offering, in our loving people, in our being available to God to be used, we look at this year with a renewed hope that we will do better. But, you know, some people move, and that's why you have to turn backwards, right? Because you can move backwards. And sometimes the common saying is, do one step back before being able to do two steps forward. God is allowing failure, but God is driving us towards success. And that's something that you need to be mindful of when you start the year. Do not look at your past failures. Look forward to the goal that God has laid ahead of you. Because God is going to empower you with the tool, with the skills, with the knowledge, with the ability to perform this. It is in you, but God will Enact, it will enable this. So it is important that we look now at, there is a race. And let's make no mistake. Many people think about a race as, well, you know what? It's only hope, it's only good, it's only going to be rosy. But the Christian life is not meant to be only rosy. As Jesus Christ, who went to a ministry that was so powerful, but also so challenging, that he had to even give his own life for people who spat on him daily, for people who denied him daily, for people who said, you are not the one you claim that you are. So there will be challenges. And I'm sure that in our plans for the year, we probably haven't considered challenges, have we? We probably haven't considered difficulties, have we? Or sometimes we look at what is today as a prospection of what will be tomorrow. In God's kingdom, that doesn't work that way. 
because God renews his mercy on you daily. God has a new hope daily. God enables you differently daily. The challenges that you face daily, one day will be different from the challenges, the, the challenge the next day. Because with God, again, all things are possible. So the Bible is telling us today, let's run. That's the fact. We have to run. But remember that aside the goal, God is with each and every one of us. And it's something that we need to value when we do our strategy for the following year. So I've taken today the book of Ephesians and a few verses in there because I believe there are instructions but also guidelines and certainly things that we can look at as a recipe to run a successful race. You know, my plan for the year 2014 are like this. That's what they are like. Right? They are blank. Because I can't fathom the future. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. And I can only rely on God to even help me to live day by day. It's not wrong to have no plan. But it's wrong not to trust God. So have your plans and trust God or have no plans and still trust God. The most important thing is to trust God. The recipe for me is to seriously consider how I will run the race. And that's why I believe we should all think about. We should run the race that is a critical race for a year that is a critical year in what God wants to do in our lives. Why is 2014 more critical than 2013? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that every second that passes by for Christian is as critical as the previous one. Because in one second, in one minute, in one day, we can change things. We can change our circumstances, but we can certainly allow God to change them for us. We can allow God to be the one using us for his purpose, even second by second. Because if we are not open to receiving from God, we might miss out. So it is important that we gear our mind and we prepare ourselves to run a race and at the same time being able to receive from God. The method is in verse 1. Be imitators of God as your children. Be imitators of God. There are two things I want to extract from that. One is the word imitators, actually three. The second is God, and the third one is children. And let's go back reversing. So children is, shows that we have a relationship with God. And starting the year 2014, my first question is, what's my stand with regard to my father? Am I right to call him father this year compared to last year? And is he truly a father to me? Is he only a sugar daddy that blesses me only when I need things? Or is he also a father that is entitled to receive a bit of my love or my whole love? So we are children of God because we have this relationship. God has made us to be children. And if he's made us to be children, then we need to ensure the direction of the relationship is not unilateral from God to us, but from us to God too. We need to open our arms as a child that wants to be carried out by his father or by his mother. We want to open our arms to say, God, I need you. And that's the way 
the Bible says we are dear children. So not only children that have been forgotten about, but we are dear to the heart of God. We are dear children. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, be imitator of God as dear children. So once it is established, we've got that relationship with God, then why do we want to imitate him? That's the recipe. The recipe is to imitate our father. I look at my son, he's 18 months old, and I think that he looks like me physically because people have told me so, and I see so, but also I believe that his character, one way or the other, is going to be aligned with what his mom does or what I do. He will try to imitate when I dance and I tap my feet on the floor, he will try to do the same thing. He will try to handle the spoon the way I do handle my fork. He will try to dress the way I dress. And if I dress badly, then so be it. Right? If I wear the hat like this, well, he's going to wear the hat like this. The only thing I do is like, if I support Arsenal, I can't force him to support Arsenal. But the reality is likely to imitate me because he sees me as his core example from a young age. When they grow, well, teenagers, you know, something different. But the Bible tells us imitate God. Because in imitation, we normally say it's the best form of compliment. If we imitate God, that never fails, that never gets it wrong, that knows it all, that is everywhere, that sees you, that loves you, that knows the air accounted on your head, then we imitate the prime example that never got it wrong. How, what's the likelihood of us getting it wrong? That's the question we have. So Paul is telling us, imitate God as dear children. The same way the parents... The children imitate their parents. We need to imitate our heavenly father. God forgives, doesn't he? God forgives because that's why we are Christian. He forgives me for my sins. And I know it's a message we've heard, but that's the truth. So God forgave me for my sins. God cleansed me. I'm a pearl in his eyes. And God expects me to forgive others. So I'm saying, Lord, Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I enter grudgingly in 2014 forgetting to forgive because I've been hurt, I've been deceived, I've been harmed, I've been stolen, I've been robbed. That's what I'm doing. And God is telling you, you know what? You want to succeed this year, I want you to forgive. Because you forgive those who have hurt you, you are just trying to exemplify that which I did. And being parents, you will understand what it means to give your son, your daughter, to give your unique child to people who don't love you, don't care about you. God did it without thinking, without blinking, just because he loves you, just because he has written you on the palms of his hands, just because he knows your very life. He created us. The Bible is telling us God forgives. Christ forgives us. We need to forgive one another. I stepped on your shoes. Sorry, please forgive me. You need to release forgiveness. I chastised Rob this morning because typically one of the things I'm trying to, to deal with in my life is lateness. I put my hand up, lateness. And then, again, Phil mentioned before that church are in the business of communication. I'm not the greatest communicator, so I didn't tell Rob that I will not be in at the time he was expecting me. So first time I came this morning, I crawled in front of him and said, Rob, I'm sorry. It wasn't even Rob, can you believe it? <laughs> He's just sitting in front of my eyes. Steve. I was telling Steve, Lord, Steve, I'm sorry. 
And he's like, why? I said, forgive me. I said, I'm late. Yeah, okay, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. I said, no, you forgive and you forget. That's what the meaning of forgiveness is. And then he steps back and he's like, mm, okay. And I was happy, right? Equally, that's the thing that we need to do. So I'm trying to deal with, forg- for, for, with lateness. And I pray that when I'm late, God, I'm sorry, Steve, I'm sorry. But then it's not for me just to say sorry every time if I don't change, right? So in my human mind, thinking that every year I will be better, every week I will be better in 2014 at being on time, I need to buy probably five alarm clocks at home, but I will be on time. There are certain things that we can do ourselves. There are other things that we need God to do for us. If you ask God to help you to forgive, you need to be disposed toward forgiveness. The Bible tells you that God sees down deep in your heart. So God is not mocked. And the Bible says, careful. Don't lie to God. Don't tell him things you are not going to do. Don't tell him, God, I want to forgive my neighbors despite the dog, you know, doing their fall in front of my door. I need to be able to forgive, willing to forgive, and then allow God to ask me to help, to ask him to help me. That's the first thing. So we need to, be, to have that willingness. God is a God of love. And that's why the, the song, one of the key songs that we sang this morning, I can sing of your love forever. We sang it. Let it be the song that keeps you on your feet, on your toes. That God's love for you is unique. Never compare the love that God has for you to the love that he has for, one another, for, for another person because it's irrelevant. God knows you as you. God loves you as you. God knows everything about you and is madly in love about you. We don't have to wait for the 14th of Feb to think about love is today, at the beginning of 2014, when we made that minute from 23.59 to, or in 2013 to midnight, it was because of God's love, because he kept us alive, because despite the sickness, the disease, the worriness, the, the, the weariness, he kept us. He kept us, not ourselves, him. To him be the glory. So remember that God loves you. That's a fact. That's something that you can challenge with God, but it's something that is true. God loves you and is very much in love with you. And another way we need to resemble God, who the Bible says is love. God is love. The Bible asks us to be imitators of Christ Jesus, who gave himself because of love. So we also need to love one another. And I talk about agape love. I talk about a love that is not a love that is conditional. I talk about a love that is a love that is not subject to happenings. You don't love somebody because they do something for you. You love somebody because God asks that you love. That you be a beacon in the life of that person. That you can reach out to that person. And when I started and I came... I told Pastor Phil that, you know what, we will be with you, not only on Saturday, but even beyond. Because love is sacrificial. It doesn't look at itself. It doesn't look of what it costs us. It doesn't look of what it, 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 whether it removes from us. Love is something that is godly and that we need to apply as godly. God asked us, 2014, you want to run that race? Focus on the goal, certainly. Imitate me. I forgive and I love. So, forgive and love. The Bible is telling us in verse, in, um, verse 8a, 
Again, 5, Ephesians 5, verse 8a. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Then 8b says, walk as children of light. Walk as children of light is another thing that we need to do. Because Jesus Christ is the light. John 3.19 is telling us that the light has come into the world, but Jesus Christ is that light. He's a light that has come to remove the sinfulness nature of this world. He's a light that has come to open up the plans of the enemy, to, to expose them, but certainly to bring a new perspective for all of, the, all of those who were in darkness. And we were all in darkness. I was in darkness before I came to know Christ, and I'm sure we all were. I was narrow-minded. I was making poor decisions because I didn't know better. And Christ has come to give me that light. And because of that light, Christ is expecting me not to be dim. He's expecting me to shine wherever I am, wherever I go. In whatever I think I need to shine. is not subject to my circumstances. It's inner, deposited in me by the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual gift. I am a child of God and I will act as a child of God. I will be an ambassador of Christ Jesus and I will shine because he shines through me. And he shines in me. Amen. Is it pleasing to your ears? It's probably not. But that's the true message that God wants from us. We need to be shining. And to be able to shine, first of all, we need to remember who we are. Because if we mix in our head who we are in Christ Jesus, the shining is artificial. You know all this light that they sell cheaply in the stores? It's not going to last a winter because it's cold, because there are um, things that make us, you know, sort of cave in. There are things that make us, you know, cold towards the things of the gospel. God enables us to shine. We need to take it in the world. We need to shine. We need to put the light where the light is needed. That's an assignment that God has given us. In the midst of darkness, Christ gave his life. He gave hope. He gave joy wherever he went. He did not keep his teaching for himself. So should not, we shouldn't either. You have learned so much. And Bible, the Bible teaches us that what is in us, we should be able to let it come out. God has given you so much. Don't think that you don't know the Bible inside out so it makes you unfit to be a tool in the hands of God. Use what you know to encourage colleagues. Use what you know to speak to neighbors. Use what you know or the gift even that God is giving you to bring that light. I'm happy to see patients and lead back. It's been a difficult experience for them. But I'm pretty sure they were a light where they were. Because in the midst of sorrow, God is the one who comforts. And if you are a recipient of God's comfort, then you can let your light shine. You can. I haven't spoken to you, but I know you are a light. You are today. And whether it's good or bad, you are still a light. And that's what God expects. Now, walking as children of light, I know it's redundant, but it also means not walking as children of darkness. Right? Is the other meaning. Let's put it bluntly. Not walking as children of darkness. And it means that in 2014, we should shy away from anything, strictly anything that easily ensnares us. Let's open our Bible to Hebrews verse 12, uh, chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12, we will read verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw away everything, not everything. He didn't say something. Let us throw away everything that hinders and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes onto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Amen. That is key for the way we want to run our race in 2014. It is key that you understand that when you are a runner, you try to make sure that you haven't got double weight on your legs. You make sure that you haven't got a weight on your back. Or you make sure you haven't got something on your head. You know, sometime back on, in Africa, one of the things that I like is when you want to, to go from one place to the other and say maybe you go to a party, your aunties will come with, you know, um, a pot, you know. They rub something there like a turban, put the pot in there, and they have so, good, so, so many goodies in there, you know, nicely cooked food from, from home. But they, they, they carry that on their head, right? But if they carry that on their head, they also carry it making sure that they don't fall, right? Because it is a weight. But I'm pretty sure that these aunties cannot run with this thing on their head. Equally, for those who do the commute every time, you have a bag, it's your commuter's bag, all sorts of things in there, probably not meal, probably just a couple of laptops. But then you cannot run. And if you run, you cannot run with that for too long because it's a weight, right? So there is a way that you can run a race, and it is to do away with the weight the legs, or the, on the back, or on the head. Sometimes we look at sins as the primary source of weight. And in fact, the Bible says, even to throw away anything that hinders and the sin. So starting by the sin, the sin that easily ensnares us is the sin of disbelief. Right? It's the sin of disbelief of Jesus Christ, of who he is, and of what he can do. Because Jesus Christ, okay, we know who he is. But if we know who he is, and that's why I like sometimes having discussion with Aiden. If we know who Jesus Christ is, then we will know what he can do. So if we don't know what he can do, or if we doubt what he can do, then we don't know who he is. Right? Jesus Christ is the one who can do all things. Can we repeat it? Jesus Christ can do all things. All things. Nothing is impossible for the God that I serve. He's created me. He's created the whole world. He is in charge of everything. He sees everywhere. Phil talked about a laser. I don't know. Well, God is a sharper than that, isn't it? We can put any technology we want. God sees deep down. He sees around. He sees from above. There is nothing that has a secret for God. And it is important that we understand who our God is. Because if we understand who our God is, it means that if we have too many bills piling up on our table, God is able to meet these bills. Right? It means that if we are unwell and have been having what we call um, chronic pain, God is able to heal. Amen? It means that God is not subject to time. That the promises he's made for you is going to meet it. It's going to make it happen. And you say, when, Lord? Why? But God, he say, my grace is sufficient for you. 
I'm with you always. I have my comforter, my enabler, my helper with you. And that's the Holy Spirit. So it means we know who Christ is and we know what he can do because we are his children. And if we are his children, then we make sure that anything that hinders us and the sin that so easily ensnares us, we throw away. So the Bible says that easily ensnares us. Don't think it is easy. It means that whatever you want to throw away from yourself, from your own perspective, can easily come back to haunt you. So he's telling us as well in the Bible that we need to watch and be careful. Don't think that you will do away with um, gossiping just like this. Right? You need to, first of all, close your mouth. Close your eyes from looking at other people's lives. Focus on Jesus. And then pray, Jesus, help me to mm, close my mouth. Right? If you are somebody who is always keen to covet, then make sure that you throw away covetousness and also throw away anything that is associated with it. The Bible says throw away everything. Why? Because it clutters your life. It doesn't say throw some things away and the other nice to have. They are no nice to have. What hinders you? Throw away. Radical, simple, clean. You, throw, you don't throw away unforgiveness and then you keep malice. You don't. You don't throw away covetousness, you keep fornication and adultery. You don't. You don't throw away lies and you keep bitterness. That's not godly. You throw every single thing away. And for being able to throw anything away, you know what it means? We sit down. We open a mirror. We ask God to help us see the way we really are in his eyes. Not in our eyes, because in our eyes, you know what? I like this stuff. I'm the most handsome man, handsome person. I have the best shoes. I have the best cars. I have the best children. I have, I'm the best. In God's eyes, you sinner. You don't give. You don't love. You don't care. You don't pray. But so let's ask God so that we see ourselves with his eyes. And for that... It is only through the Holy Spirit. It is only through the heart that is servant to hear and to see from God that will be able to have that reflection. And then say, God, you showed to me that I am unforgiving. Who do I need to forgive? <laughs> You'll find out the arrows coming and showing everybody that you need to forgive. Maybe everybody in the church. But then you start forgiving people. But then you start loving people. Right? We were doing something that was a way to you. No, you leave and ask God to help you. Looking at other women lustfully when you have your beautiful wife sitting at home? No. Looking at other teenagers as, oh, they have the latest iPhone 5 and I only have, uh, what is my phone at the moment? Probably Nokia C3. I don't even know. If it, can, it can't WhatsApp, right? So I can't get WhatsApp on that. But if I keep on looking ahead or <laughs> what other people have, then I'm frustrated and I don't thank God for what he's given me ungrateful. God is asking us to do away with ungratefulness. He said, every day of my life I will thank the Lord for what he's blessed me with. 
because I have all sufficiency. God meets me at the point of my needs. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He meets me at the point of my needs always, and he will meet me in 2014 the way he met me in 2013. Amen. He's the same today. He was the same yesterday. He's the same tomorrow. He's my God. My God. I am his child. So I will do away with sin. Now let's come to wait. I have come to wait because wait is a bit more difficult. We don't always understand what wait is. We don't always understand how it works. It's often overlooked, but there are so many things that we need to look. An old habit can become a weight into our Christian life. Something that we fail to get, you know, get away with, but something that is, I told you about lateness, right? Lateness is good for some time, if it can even be classified as good. But if I keep on missing the trustees meeting, <laughs> if I keep on missing on my commitment, the Bible tells me, let your yes be yes. Lord, again, I'm late because my yes is not yes. It becomes diluted and becomes a no. Right? So then I'm against what the Bible is telling me to do. So if for the refiner of my faith, the refiner of my life, I keep on telling lies or I keep on doing as if I want to serve him, but I withdraw at the last minute, then I'm not fit for service. I'm not fit for the purpose that he's called me to be. Right? So we need to be careful about how we handle the weaknesses and the weight that we have today. We, we can't cut them off. The Bible says what? If your eyes cause you, if your part of your body causes you to sin, what? Chop it off. Let it go. And that can even be in relationship. We can be in relationship that become a weight to us. A weight to feeling, fulfilling our spiritual given task. Or our godly given commitment. Right? What are the relationships that we are keeping for ourselves in 2014? What are we doing with this relationship? Are they the one dragging us into the darkness or are we the one dragging them into the light? What are we doing with them? Are we encouraging them or are we always, oh, I am the best? We are nothing. <laughs> Phil used his, 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 his word last, last Sunday. He said failures. He used the word failures. And don't think it is harsh because the truth is the truth. We are all failures. We don't deserve the grace of God. But then... God in his mercies is making us winners for that race. So don't be potential winners, be winners. What's the difference between the two? It has some cross the finish line and others are on their knees halfway and never cross the line. God wants us to cross that line. God wants us to cross it not on our knees, but on our feet. You know, crossing the line with purpose. Weight can be things of the past. And Paul said in Philippians 3.14 that one thing I do, forgetting, I, I erased from my mind, forgetting the things that are behind me, forgetting the things of 2013 that didn't work, forgetting the failures I had, forgetting how I failed, I move on, I move forward, I press on towards the goal that is God-given. Why do you want the weight of yesterday to be carried into the new year? What does it help you with? Let's be down to earth. What does it help you with? To be sorrowful about yourself? To be thinking that God doesn't love you? He loves you. What's the purpose? The only thing we need to remember about yesterday is probably the way we became saved. Because that is going to put a light again the love that we first had for God. 
That's the only thing that we need to keep from history. The thing we need to keep is that God is true. God has given himself for us. God has sacrificed himself for us. And God lives. So he's not even dead. He lives. So we need to be alive. Please don't let the weight of yesterday make you dead before God. Let's be alive. It is important we have this life. Because God wants people who are fire for him. And if you are dead, they can't, you can't be on fire. If spiritually you are bamboozled, you cannot be of use. We are workers with God and co-workers with him. We are people that the master builder uses to build his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Things of the past can be an hindrance. Our thinking can also be an hindrance. It can be a weight. Why can our thinking be a weight? It's because it brings resistance to new, fresh ideas. Our thinking can be a weight because it may be a barrier to what God speaks to us. If God speaks truth, we think fake, we think uh, imitation, we think uh, lies. These are barriers to receiving the true word of God. We need to align our thinking with the word of God. Because our thinking is going to tell us, you know what? God is not able at this moment to help me out of this present situation. But God says, I am with you, whether you are in the fire or whether you are drowning in the water. I'm with you. So our thinking needs to be right. Because our thinking is going to see situations as they are. But the Bible tells us we walk by faith and not by what we see. So it is important that we are able to be spiritually educated. It is important that we make our thinking aligned to what God wants to do. We need to close, we need to, to, to choose to believe in our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. That's not something we have seen. It's something that we have known. And we have known him because we are God's children. And he revealed it to us. It's not our thinking. And then we need to address that resistance. You know, people, I'll give you an example of how the thinking can affect people. God set us free. I mean, he set up set up the, the children of Israel. He set them free. He took them out of Egypt. So theoretically, in the physical, these are people that were set free because God had done so, isn't it? God has taken them from a place of bondage to a new land. But then while they were set free, while they were set free, as they were set free, we know that the enemies or the Egyptians were drowning. That's also a fact. So they were drowning. So around them, the Israelis couldn't see any adversary. They couldn't see any enemies. Let's make it right. But then what? Then complaint. A few weeks later, complaint. A few days later, complaining. Discontentment. They were vocal about this discontentment and started complaining to Moses, let us go back. Let us go back where we were. Because we had all what we needed in the land of captivity and under bondage, we had all what we needed. 
doesn't it look doesn't it look a bit silly you are set free but yet you want to go back in a land of captivity do you know what the difference was the difference was not that they were not set free they'd been set free and physically there were no enemy around but in their head their thinking made them still slave in their head they were not free in their head they were hooked on slavery in Egypt so while the enemy is physically not there they were limbed because of the thinking and they couldn't do what God wanted them to do what did Paul do Paul was in prison the new year comes there is no happy new year to anybody he's in prison and his thinking does not make him to not write he writes half of the new testament in prison he doesn't see the world that's around him he doesn't see the cold he doesn't feel it he is on fire for god he's writing things that are life-changing he's not looking at his circumstances he's a small small dot in the whole history of the universe he's a small dot in the plans of god yet he's making his thinking to be aligned with the will of god make your thinking in 2014 to be aligned with the will of god because if not you will think that your situations dictate where you end up where it is not the case with god your situation with god will never dictate when you end up because they cannot be changed with god if we are slave let it be that we are slave for god but not slaves or thoughts let it be that we are hungry for God. And if we have the wrong thinking, that we have all sufficiency. And that's why sometimes we need to be careful about what you ask for God to do. If you have too much, you don't need God, right? That's proven. People who have too much, they forget that spiritually God wants them. God wants each and every one of us. If you are unwell, God still wants you. God still can use you in 2014. Because your infirmity is not what will prevent you from being a tool for God. It didn't prevent Paul. He said that you know, every time he prayed to God, because there's something buffeting him in his flesh. But he's saying that he prayed. And God is saying that, look, you don't worry about it. I'm there with you. My grace is sufficient for you. So don't worry, move on. But that's what happens with us if we ask God, what about this infirmity? Why am I always going at the hospital? Why am I always on the strain physically? And God said, look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. He's given that faith. He's refining it. And he's refining it by making challenges to come your way. And still being so good to enable us to overcome these challenges. That's the God that we serve. So as we sit in 2014, let's remember that we have a God who is alive. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who has given us the method to be successful in the year. Because it is all in the Bible. Today, I've called you mine. You are mine. I've redeemed you. I'm your father. That doesn't change. The weight and running. We need discernment. We need discernment. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will 
of the Lord is. And I say that we need wisdom. The Bible still tells us that we don't have wisdom, but it's something that we can ask. We can ask Jesus to give us wisdom. We can pray for wisdom, and he will give unto us. Right? Psalm 90, 12 is a prayer from the psalmist saying, Lord, I do not know much, but I need you to teach me to number my days. I need you to teach me so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. Why is the heart of wisdom important? Forget about your IQ level. That has nothing to do. Wisdom cannot be quantified by science metrics. Your IQ is irrelevant, but wisdom is from God. With God, wisdom is from God. Only God can give wisdom. And he says that we need not to walk as fool. With the fool, the one that has said in his heart that he's no God, with the fool, the one of the five virgins that forget that the master is coming in the night and have not enough oil in their lamp, with the fool. We are no fools because we are God's children. But if we are no fools and we are God's children, we need to demonstrate that we can redeem the time. We can redeem the time because the days are evil. The days that are oppressing our faith. The days that are challenging anything we want to do for God. The days that are always showing us that there are things that we can't bypass because it's led by X, Y, or Z. No, the days are evil because the days do not recognize that God is sitting on the throne. But God is with us. And he said, do not be unwise, but understand what the, Lord of, the will of God is. What is the will of God for your life in 2014? I can't tell you that. The Bible can and God can. I can't tell you that. What I've just given you is for you to go to God and ask him. God, I want you to tell me. Murmur to me. Speak to me. Write to me. A love letter that you always write to me, but a love letter in which you give me a clear distinction of what your will is for this year. Because you know what? Once we pass 2014 and we come to 2015, God willing, we don't want to be sitting and say, oh, I have made no progress with God. I've made no progress. I've lost again. I've told again. I've drawn backward again. God is ahead. He wants you to go ahead. He wants you to walk. You can walk. Ask him the tools to run. And he's with you. But the reality is we need to gain that heart of wisdom. We need to understand what the will of God is. And for the will of God, what I know is that God wants us closer. Closer than last year. You know when you hug somebody that you love, you hurt that person tight, yeah? Your son, your wife, your spouse. I'm not talking boyfriend, girlfriend, by the way. Somebody you love. Very closely, you hug them tight. And sometimes you feel they still win going through. So you hold them tighter again. Yeah? Until your child starts, oh, and you know that maybe you are over, <laughs> over hugging them. God wants us to hug him, you know, to hug him and not let go. Whether we are shaken by last event, by challenges of 2014, hug him. Because he carries you. Because he will carry you. You talk about being under his refuge, isn't it? That's what you talked about earlier, Pastor Phil. That we should be under the refuge of God. Under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a God of all sufficiency. That's a God that does not allow for fear. That's a God that can comfort you. That's a God that can equip you. That's a God that can help you. Is it too long for 2014 to hear for 15 minutes message? God loves you.
and he wants you to be alert to the method of running the race. By the time you are alert to this method, you will trust in God like no way before. I still ask God to enable me to trust him more day by day. I still ask God to shape me, to cut off the things that make me so unworthy for him. And so I believe we should all do. Because by doing that, we are only running through that race and passing the 2014 with flying colors. But you know what? Then the race of the Christian doesn't stop at that point. Continues until God calls us back. And then we receive the crown. So do you want that crown? Do we want that crown? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.